It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, June 8th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. We got a good show for you today. We got Bonte Hill from 95.7 The Game on the show today. We're going to talk everything Game 4, Kevin Durant's performance from Game 3, uh, all you know, which I didn't get to because we weren't able to post a pod today. So this one is going to be extra special. You can get this podcast on iTunes, iOS, Google Play, Spotify, and LockedOnWarriors.com. Make sure you bookmark that page. You can get my media on Forbes.com, and you can check out all my credentials on LinkedIn at A-L-I-K-O Carter. Make sure you follow me at Twitter, Kojitare, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E. Now let's get this show on the road. Bonte, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. This is uh, it's going to be historic today. Hopefully, uh, the brooms are out at Quicken Loans Arena. Warriors looking to sweep the Cavaliers and beat them for the third time in four years. So it's it's kind of bittersweet also uh, because there's going to be no real basketball after this. You know, we're going to have to wait to the NBA draft, summer league to get our fix. So it's in a way when the finals when it's over, it's like ah, uh, no more hoops. What are yeah. we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things. I wear dubs every single day of the playoffs, and uh, honestly, by about like the parade, uh, you know, knock on wood, by about the parade, I'm usually just all dubbed out. So after the parade, I'm just like, okay, it's A's for me now. I'm wearing green and gold. I'm done. You know, I, I'll wait until October. I'll get back into my blue and gold. Uh, and especially, uh, you know, you know, it's the end of the uh, end of the season when your podcast goes from five days a week to three days a week. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt. Uh, I got I got to transition to Giants baseball. I'm a, a huge Giants fan and just a baseball fan in general. So it is heating up for guys like us. It's easy to transition. We know what to do to fill time. Uh, and you are right. This season gets long. Uh, you talk about the Warriors season. It started back in early October when they took the China trip. Uh, to play the T-Wolves in the preseason. Of course, the regular season started uh, a couple weeks before Halloween, which was unusual. So it's been a long, long grind here, especially for a Warriors team that really was complacent in the regular season. But here we are again with the Warriors on the brink of uh, winning their third championship in four years. Yeah, and I was talking about it. You know, it's exemplified that complacency a little bit by Draymond Green, I think. You know, he has been playing out of his mind defensively and just doing all the little things. He had one game um, last series where he had 25 box outs. This is just yeah. insane. You, you look at Draymond from the regular season and you look at him now and you're like, oh, he was just going 75% the entire season. But I guess that's what you have to do when you make the finals year after year after year. They're learning that they have to conserve their energy. Obviously, Steph only played, what, 51 games or something like that. 
51 uh, games, yeah. And, and you know what's funny? You mentioned Draymond Green. Uh, they had lost to Sacramento at home the first time. I think they did twice this year, lost to Sacramento at home. But it was the second, it was the first time around when they lost, I believe, in overtime. Uh, and Draymond Green, after the game, was like smiling. It's like, oh, it's okay. You know, it, it, and we've grown to love Draymond Green because of his intensity. You know, he hates to lose. He's 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 a, he's an agitator. You know, especially agitated when they lose a game. And he was like smiling and chilling and oh, it's cool. It was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> that right there showed you when the level of complacency start to hit it, where it was just like, okay, let's just coast to the regular season. We'll drive in second gear. We'll let the Rockets blow their turbocharge and get this number one seed and get the home court advantage because honestly. It's not going to matter to us, and you know it looked like it didn't matter to the Warriors. Yeah, the regular season, they basically made it look like a glorified preseason. You they know, sure win did. 58 games, have slept, walked their way to 58 wins. So, uh, you know, it, hopefully we see a little bit more next year. But who can blame them, man? When they go through the playoffs like they are, they're what one win away, and they've only had five losses. And really, you know, we could all sit here and talk about injuries or something. It makes me wonder. If Iguodala was available for games four and five, hell, that series may have been over in five games, the Western yeah. Conference Finals, that is. Yeah, and Andre Iguodala is so important to everything that the Warriors do. Played 22 minutes in game three, plus minus of 14. That's uh, second highest on the team behind Kevin Durant, obviously, <laughs> who had uh, plus minus of 15 with his 43 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Tell me what you saw from Kevin Durant in game three. Man, he played at such a smooth pace. And I think it was a carryover uh, from game number two. You know, we're, we're all getting out of it game four and five, six of the Western Conference Finals. And then, you know, he flips into the second half of game seven. Well, game one, he just looked, you know, he looked like he was pressing. Uh, he saw LeBron James across the way. And it was really shocking to see because Kevin Durant's finals a year ago was just spectacular when he won the finals MVP. You know, pumping in 35 points a game and shooting well over 50%. I'm thinking, man, what the heck is going on with KD? 8 of 22 in game number one, really inefficient from the field. Uh, we talked about the pull-up threes that he was forcing. Uh, uh, he was just he was just not playing like Kevin Durant. He wasn't smooth. It didn't look like he was playing with joy, as Steve Kerr always likes to say. Mm-hmm. You know, he was 1 of 7 from the three-point line. He turned the ball over uh, only one time, but he wasn't the playback with KD. But if you look at the stats... You know, you look at the stats. They don't lie. He's 46 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Where he said, wait a minute. The stats are similar to game two, but obviously the difference in game two. He was just such at ease. He was making plays, made a bounce pass to JaVale McGee early in the game to make plays for his teammates, had nine rebounds. But it was the way, it was the way he uh, rebounded the ball, snatching the ball out of air with one hand late in the fourth quarter. He did it with ferocity. You know, he was ferocious on the boards, especially after the Cavaliers out pounded him on a glass in game number one. He sure just did. He was so smooth, and he limited the three-point attempts. You know, he only had three-point, three three-point attempts in game number two. So then you see game three, and, I mean, he was just special. He was the best player on the floor. You know, pulling up from three, hitting six threes, making plays for his teammates, barking at guys. You know, he's telling JaVale McGee, hey, you need to be here. Nick Young, don't foul. Even Steph Curry. In the fourth quarter with Steph Curry struggling, KD's clapping at Curry. Hey, come on. Come on, baby. Let's go. Yep. You know, so he feels like he's finally a part of this team here. It's good, really good to see KD respond to all the noise that was coming his way. I mean, he was he, he was special in game 
game game three of the NBA Finals. I think people need to look at this performance, man. And five to ten years later, we're gonna be like, damn, remember Katie in Game Three of the twenty eighteen Finals? Wow, what a performance, man! They do it in King James's house. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, you just gotta sit back and eat popcorn and and oh, enjoy yeah. the enjoy show. The show. Man. And, 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 and you know, it got me thinking about twenty sixteen Fourth of July when the Warriors officially signed Kevin Durant or when he officially committed to signing with the Golden State Warriors. And I'm thinking, how the heck did this franchise? Lord, one of the top players in the world to their team. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, two championships in two years. We'll see where the state goes. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, talking about KD's rebounding, you know, he had to get back to his back on the good foot because you look at that footage from game one when J.R. Smith got the rebound after the yeah. George Hill miss. That was Kevin Durant's assignment right there. Yep. You know, that could have been yep. the game. Yeah, no, and people would have been talking about that. Damn, KD can't even box out. What's going on here? Luckily, J.R. Smith bailed him out, but he watched that film. And yep. I guarantee you, KD looked at that game one film and was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. The guy has too much pride. Uh, he cares about being one of the top players in the NBA, if not the top player in the NBA. You know he's reading and, and listening to the critics because, you know, let's be real. KD is a bit of a sensitive guy. He's a sensitive superstar. He's human. Yeah. That's fine. You know, we do these podcasts and we, we do our radio shows and, you know, when people say, hey, oh, man, you guys suck it, it means a little something. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. You know, you do a double take or whatnot. But KD, you know, he, he, game number three, man, he was just, that's why the Golden State Warriors brought him here because there's going to be nights when Steph Curry's not hitting shots. There's going to be nights when Klay Thompson's not hitting shots. It was like that in the 2016 finals and a guy named Harrison Barnes, and I'm not trying to throw shade at him at all, but he was 5-32 and in those last three games uh, in those 2016 NBA finals. What the Warriors needed was somebody who could get the ball and when the shot clock's waning down, and when they're in an isolation situation, they needed a dude who can go get a bucket. And Kevin Durant was put on this earth to go get buckets. And that's what he did in game three. Yeah, absolutely. And they needed somebody when the defense blitzes Stephen Curry to be an escape valve and get points on his own. Draymond Green's so good at going downhill in the four on three after they trap Curry. But if you can get the ball to Durant... I mean, that's that's an option right there. That's an option. And I want to switch to Stephen Curry uh, because he was bad. Uh, He was just uh, not very good offensively. He did have five rebounds, such a great rebounding guard and six assists as well as a steal. But just, you know, one of 10 from three and he only had 11 points. You know, what did you see from Steph, and why do you think uh, he had such a difficult time? I think the, the trapping was really effective, but he just seemed off as well. No, nah, the trapping was big time. Uh, the trapping really threw Steph off his game. You know what? I thought he rushed a couple three-pointers. Uh, and the foul trouble. I wonder how much that affected him because the foul call where he, you know, jock, you know, uh, you know, try to fight for position against J.R. Smith. That was a that was a weak call, you know. And then the call, the block, the block call with LeBron James, where it was originally called a charging call. So Steph Curry's out there with three fouls. He picked up the two quick ones. I think that got in his head a little bit because we know the history of Curry and Cleveland. We mm-hmm. remember the game six in uh, 2016 uh, NBA Finals. And it's just the Warriors always seem to have a player buying the foul trouble where they go to quick and loads arena in Cleveland. Yeah. And it's really weird what's going on there. I'm not going to blame their rest. But you know what? Overall, I thought Steph Curry played a strong game defensively. He was fighting. He was physical. Even when he got switched on LeBron James or George Hill, whoever, whoever it was, 
Steph Curry, after all, played a tough game, only turned the ball over two times, had the six assists. And you know what? He hit the three that counted. He, he sure did. Finally, finally put the Warriors ahead in that game, in that fourth quarter with 238 left in the game. You know, kind of J.R. Smith said, no man's land. And Steph Curry hits the shot. Of course, he had the, the layup right before that. So he still kept fighting. He still crashed the boards. Uh, he still played defense. But we all look at his shot because we're thinking, okay, Steph Curry's about to win his first finals MVP. Well, it looks like KD has snatched that award back with his performance. And Steph Curry goes 3-16. and 16. So, you know, I, I don't think deep down inside, yeah, sure, I, I believe Steph Curry wants that award. But I don't think he's tripping if he gets his third ring. No, I don't think he is either. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side to talk game four. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new, lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Bonte, we were just talking about Steph and KD and the Finals MVP award. What do you think it would take tonight with Kevin Durant scoring his usual 27 Get in seven and seven, whatever. We'll assume that he's got 27, seven and seven. What does it take for Stephen Curry to get the finals MVP award? Or is that just out of the question with a three of 16 game three? Uh, You know, Kevin Durant was pretty bad in game one, but the stats are going to tell you another story. So it's going to play his average uh, a bit here. He's still, you know, he still dropped over 25 points in every finals game he's ever played in, including these finals. Steph Curry's going to have to be dynamic. He's going to have to have another Ray Allen slash Clay Thompson three-point game. You know, seven to eight three-point makes. Uh, he's going to need the nine to ten assists. He's going to need to crash the boards. He's going to have to beat Steph Curry that won an MVP award back-to-back years. Yeah. Now, could that happen? Of course. But I think the Warriors flow when everybody's touching the ball. You know, when everybody's humming and they're passing a the rock around the perimeter and Clay Thompson's getting his touches – Draymond Green's running the point forward. Uh, it's going to take a dynamic performance. And it's going to take Kevin Durant, honestly, to have a rough game. And yeah. if Kevin Durant has a rough game in this series, I don't know if the Warriors now, they got away with it he gave up, but Kevin Durant still scored 26. He still, you know, he still may had the seven assists. So, you know, what's a bad game for Kevin Durant? What, what kind of bad game could he have? Could he go out there and score 11 points? I don't know. Because it's if very Kevin unlikely. Durant goes out there and scores 11 points, I don't think they're going to win, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I think that award, I think that award is as good as God, unless Steph Curry has a really good game and they lose and Kevin Durant is kind of just mired in meteor. Uh, he's just kind of having a mediocre game here. So, uh, you know, it's, I think it's as good as God to be honest with you. Yeah. That's it's, it's too bad. You know, there's such an affinity for Stephen Curry here in the Bay area, you know, drafted by the old, 
ownership back in 2009. He is the one piece from those years, from the awful years between 2008 and 2012, that just is, you know, he he's... He's the ultimate warrior, you know, uh, to, yeah. to, to take a dig at LeBron a little bit. Uh, he, he just is the spirit of the team. And, you know, I would argue uh, also the team's most valuable player because who else gets trapped at 30 feet? Like, I'm just yeah. sitting, I'm sitting here watching this game and Kevin Durant is open because they're trapping Stephen Curry. Yeah, it's not, you know what? It's not the yeah. other way around. No, you're, you're absolutely right because, you know, even in the 2017 NBA Finals, you know, Kevin Durant got off. There's no doubt about it. But there's so many clips of Steph Curry on the break, crossing half court, and you see about two to three Cavaliers converging on Steph Curry because they're petrified of him pulling up from 25 feet. Remember how many wide-open dunks Kevin Durant had coming right down the lane? It looked like the lane parted like the Red Sea. You know, it literally, Andre Iguodala had a couple dunks, Draymond. I mean, Steph Curry draws so much attention. And it brought me back to a game last year when the Warriors were playing at Madison Square Garden. And they were mired in the slump. Kevin Durant had just got hurt in Washington, D.C. They didn't know if he was going to come back or not. Um, and Steph Curry's sitting there on the bench. He's struggling with his shot. And Steve Kerr, they, they, showed, they played the sound. And Steve Kerr just said, hey, look, you may not be scoring, but your impact is being felt. Just look at the plus minus when you're on the court. They're scared of you. You open things up for everybody. Just keep playing, my son. And Steph Curry, I think he's realizing that, that man, yeah. I draw so much attention. Even though Steph, Kevin Durant is probably the best player on the team, I'm the most important. I draw the most attention because I make this thing go. That's and so right. he realizes that. And even like you mentioned, the Cavaliers were trapping him. They were worried about him, not Kevin Durant going one-on-one or whatnot. They were worried about Steph Curry, so they trapped the heck out of him. I expect to see a little more tonight, but Steph Curry will figure out. He is He'll figure it out tonight. He's a smart player. Yeah, I want to move on to Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, but start with Clay. Will he figure it out? Pretty bad. Yeah, game you know what? Clay Clay had his rough game, and he's prone to having those in the playoffs. I thought. I think also though, this postseason has been his most complete postseason when it comes to offensive basketball shooting. Clay Thompson's been a godsend for this team. There's no doubt. His defense playing with the high ankle sprain. Uh, you talk about his game two performance with the 20 points. His third quarter was flawless. He hit those tiny three-pointers for the Warriors, scored 10 points in that quarter, played solid defense. Heck, game six against the Rockets. We know what happened there. Uh, with Clay, Clay Thompson's been really, really good. I think he's going to be fine as well. Uh, he, a little fighting going. Remember that high ankle sprain? He's still trying to figure out how yeah. to deal with it. We don't know how stiff it is. We don't know how much pain he's going through. Clay Thompson to be fine. And you mentioned Draymond Green. I mean, the other night, he had, he had a ton of box outs. I mean, he was uh, – I'm looking at my notepad here. He, you know, he's boxing out. You, you mentioned the box outs against the Houston Rockets where he had 25 in one game. Well, you know, he's contest, contesting shots. You know, he had six deflections the other night in the second half against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, he's contested over 20 shots a game. I mean, Draymond Green, you know, that's what makes this thing so special is because these guys play so well with each other. You know, Clay Thompson – you know, he's not the best ball handler, but he doesn't need to be because you got Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. Well, Draymond Green's not the best shooter. It doesn't matter because you got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. These guys all go together well. And then you add Andre Iguodala to the equation, it's almost the perfect starting five. 
Now, of yeah. course, they can get pounding on the boards at times. But this is what's making this lineup, the Hamptons Five, one of the most lethal lineups in NBA history. They just play so well off of each other. Draymond Green with his passing, the lobs to McGee, the lobs to Jordan Bell, to Corey backing on defense. Yeah, sure, he runs hot. That's what he does. He's the heartbeat of his team. He plays with that edge, but we wouldn't want it any other way, man. Those two guys complement Steph Curry and Kevin Durant so well, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Absolutely. And I want to mention Sean Livingston, too, so efficient so yeah. far this season. But also moving on to, you know, from the best team to the best player, you know, LeBron got swept out of the finals back in 2007. You know, a couple years later, he tore off his uh, his uh, jersey in the Boston Garden. And a couple weeks after that, he was in Miami. Uh, what happens if he gets swept out of the finals this year, what do you expect from him tonight? Because you certainly know, even though he feels that, you know, he's, you know, good enough to win, he probably knows he's going to lose this series. And, uh, you know, how much is it going to mean to him to get that one win in this series? Yeah, I think nobody wants to get swept. And when you think about game one, how they had the Warriors on the cusp, and he talked about that being the toughest loss, toughest loss of his career. Uh, one of the toughest losses of his career. There's no doubt. Game one, he, yeah, I mean, he was just. I, I don't even have a word for his performance in game one. Just being there, just being in awe of what he was doing, hitting the three pointer, driving to the rack, doing everything for that Cavaliers team while taking limited breaks. Um, I expect him to come out hard tonight. You know, he is averaging nearly another triple double. 30, nearly 38 points a game, nine rebounds, 11 assists. I mean, he is special. Um, I expect him to give it all he's got. But, look, he's, he's going into this gunfight here with the Warriors, man, with limited ammunition. You know, J.R. Smith is inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get from George Hill. The Warriors know how to guard Kyle Korver. They just don't let him dribble. They don't give him breathing room. So he hasn't gotten off. He's averaging a mere 1.3 points a game. The <laughs> Kyle Korver, that is. That's his sharp shooter. Uh, he's one of 10 from the floor in this series. So LeBron James, we could always talk about his help or this, that, and the other. Look, they're either going to get swept or lose in five games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, they weren't expected to be in the NBA Finals. They traded half their roster to the trading deadline. You know, they fall behind the Pacers. Uh, they get blown out game one in that series. They rally and win in seven. Uh, they sweep the Raptors, who many thought were going to the NBA Finals or were ready to you know, get over that hump, and then they go to the parquet floor in game number seven to beat the Celtics, who are undefeated at home. So LeBron James has did what he's done uh, for this team, and I think he's going to leave. You know, honestly, I think he's gone. Yeah, uh, Kitty now, would he be able to lure like a Paul George or Chris Paul to Cleveland? I don't know. Their cap situation's the best right now. You know, you talk about the contracts with J.R. Smith and Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. They don't have much wiggle room. So, you know, I can see LeBron James. We know about his two houses in Brentwood. Will he go to the Lakers? Kenny Lear, another free agent over there. Will he go to the Sixers? Will he go to Houston? You know, we listen to, listening to him talk after game three, basically conceding this series and waving a white flag, I think LeBron James knows that he needs help. He needs other stars to compete with these star-studded Warriors. So I think he's as good as God. Um, and he'll give it all he's got for Cleveland. That's still his home. He'll go hard, but... It's not what you can do, man. These Warriors are just a different animal. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're talking about LeBron, talking about everything he's done, and talking about him basically throwing up the, the white flag. I mean, in that post-game interview, he was just 
He was like in a in a not in a trance, but he was just so kind of he seemed happy almost. Right. Like yeah, like weird, dude right? like dude, why are you happy? Like after game two, <laughs> after game one, you were pissed. Right. But yo, like you said, throwing in the white flag, like he's just like, oh, this is the way it is. And he's talked about this in the past. He's like, you know, sometimes you just come up against a foe that is just better than you, you know, that right. you just can't beat. And it seems like he accepted that after last year's loss in the finals, that the Cavaliers were just not as talented as the Warriors. But he worked so hard to get them back to the finals this uh, this time around. And it's just it's a little it's a little sad for him, but it still adds to his legacy, what he's doing this year. And, uh, you know, he's right there in a lot of millennials eyes with Michael or above Michael as the greatest of all time these days. And I, you know, that just says so much about him that he's in that conversation without, uh, with half as many championships as, as MJ had. No, he is. If anybody out there doesn't think he's special, they're full. They are an absolute full. Um, the guy's in his 15th year doing what he's doing now. It's remarkable. We should all appreciate it. Um, but he obviously looks tired, man, from trying to carry this team. Uh, he looks fatigued a bit. Um, he looks worn out. But you talk about LeBron James and the way he came into the league, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. We were watching his high school games. The kid has played under so much pressure. So the B&H straight finals, that's an accomplishment. That you, you should Look, Jerry West was what? One of seven, one of eight in the NBA finals, and he's a logo. I think he was uh, one of nine. Bird, you know, Bird lost to the Lakers many a times. The Lakers lost championships. It happens. What Jordan did was an anomaly. 6-0, and you know, that was an anomaly. You know, so we can't base it. I mean, look, championships mean a lot. There's no doubt about it. But what LeBron James has done on an individual level and then just looking at him taking some of the teams that he's taken to the NBA Finals, Yes, he's one of the greatest of all time. You cannot take that away from him. Exactly. And and unlike Jordan, he didn't retire twice. Who knows what would have happened? Eight straight trips to the finals if Jordan doesn't take his hiatus. I mean, that's insane. But we have to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, it's light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. Making you old-fashioned today. With Wild Turkey Bourbon 101, it just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the Old Fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. All right, Bonte, you know, I want to talk about, because there's, there's a chance the Warriors win a championship tonight. You know, <laughs> like, that, that, that is very, very exciting. What do you think it means? Uh, you know, I'm an Oaklander. I'm from Oakland. I am looking at this as the opportunity to cement winning in Oakland 
when the team moves to San Francisco. I want this one. I want the one next year. I want it forever. I want parades down Broadway. I want rallies at the lake. I want all that stuff, and I want the memories. So for you, what does it mean for this team uh, to be here in this moment, and you know, how does it uh, affect the legacy of the Warriors and the individual players? Yeah, it never gets old. I mean, first of all, winning championships and, you know, growing up here in San Francisco and following Niners, it was Super Bowl or bust. You know, it means a lot to this franchise, man. Think about how far they've come. Think about how far Steph Curry's come and Clay Thompson and Draymond. Um, This is truly a remarkable accomplishment. You look at their winning percentage over the last four years in the postseason. It's the best ever. It's better than Michael's Bulls. It's better than the Showtime Lakers. It's better than the big three of Boston with uh, Mikael Parrish and Larry Bird. Uh, you know, their record in the regular season, regular season over the last four years, better than everybody's. You know, so it's there. So this just puts the cherry on top of one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. You know, you look at the way they play defense. It's like those Bulls teams with Robin, Jordan, Pippen, Ron Harper, where they just get on you and they start pressing you and they get into your grill. Uh, the way they play offense is like the Showtime Lakers. Pass the ball around with just, you know, just precision, accuracy. It's like jazz, the way they play offense. Mm. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So it means a lot. This is, you know, you talk about individual legacies. Well, all of a sudden, Steph Curry has three championships, just like LeBron James. You know, he has more than Isaiah Thomas now. He has more than John Stockton. You know, he's two away from Magic Johnson. Uh, Kevin Durant, now he's got two. You know, he's one behind LeBron James, a guy he's competing with for the best player in the world title. Uh, Clay Thompson now has three. He has one more than his dad now. <laughs> Draymond Green now <laughs> has three. You know, he's he's uh, he's a couple behind Dennis Robin. Mm. So it, it just it submits them as the best team this decade. It, it, it puts them in a conversation of greatest teams of all time, which is all subjective. Everybody's going to say, oh, they can't beat Michael's Bulls. Well, which rules are we playing with? You know, I've had Michael Thompson on the show plenty of times. One time he said the Warriors would beat him. The other time he said the Showtime Lakers would beat him. It's all subjective. It's it's all, you know, it's bar talk. It's conversations we have in our living room. Who's better? But with a championship tonight, and then you look at next year, oh, wait, they can win four or five years. They can go three-peat like Michael's Bulls, like Kobe and Shaq. You know, there's only, the Warriors will become the 13th team to ever go back-to-back in the NBA. You know, that's including all, you know, Russell's 11 championships where they won all those championships in a row. And, of course, Jordan going on two separate three-peats and Kobe and Shaq. And, you know, think about this, Kobe too. and Kobe. They go <laughs> Kobe and Kobe, of course, going back-to-back. Uh, think about this. The Spurs never went back-to-back with Greg Popovich. You know, they never went back-to-back. Now, Miami did with LeBron and Wade, of course. But, you know, there's a lot of teams that didn't go back-to-back. It's tough. It is tough to do that. So, to see the Warriors go three and four years, because, yes, they are winning championship, whether it's tonight or Monday in Oakland, California. We're going to have a parade around Lake Barry. It's going to be a great time in Oakland, California. There's no doubt about that. Um, it, it does wonders for their legacy. Now you got to start talking about these guys individually as the best in their position. Is Clay Thompson one of the top ten shooting guards of all time? Is Steph Curry one of the top point guards of all time? Kevin Durant, one of the best players of all All that stuff's in play now with the championship tonight or Monday night uh, in Oakland, California. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it's just, you know, you're in that conversation now. You're on about Rushmore championship teams. Mm-hmm. You know, move over Michael Jordan. You know, move over Kobe and Shaq. 
move over, Larry. You know, you talk about those 80s Celtics teams. They never went back-to-back. -back. You know, right. the Showtime Lakers went back-to-back -back once. It was tough. They got pushed to the brink against the Pistons in that second back-to-back -back going seven games. So now you're in that conversation of being one of the greatest dynasties, dynasties of all time. And they can add to that next year, especially with Kevin Durant coming back. I mean, it's just getting better and better. What is this going to end? You know, I know, right? I, Stephen Curry just turned 30 back in March, and he's the oldest of the core four. So that, you know, we could be seeing this team for the next six, seven years uh, being, you know, dominant, maybe not dominant to the level they are, but pretty dominant. And, you know, when I, when I found out that Kevin Durant was coming to the, uh, the Warriors, it was uh, the 4th of July, obviously, and I was on a lake in Northern California just enjoying the sun. I couldn't, I didn't get any service. And somehow a text came through from my friend and he was like, dude, we got Kevin Durant. <laughs> and I was like, what? I have to write about this. And so when I got home, I, I wrote a piece for Forbes.com about what we can expect and what we should be expecting from this team. And, you know, with the insane congregation of talent that we have here more talent than any nba team has ever ever seen i you know i have expectations of this team you know so i'm thinking maybe the first four pete since the 60s you know <laughs> like like and, and that's what i that's what i wrote i was like well we have to expect something from this team because it's better than kobe and shaq because it's better than the Heatles, because it could compete with the Showtime Lakers and the, you know, especially if the rules changes are in effect uh, for, you know, the new defensive rules changes, all that good stuff. You know, this team is as far as an assemblage of talent, unprecedented. And so, you know, I, 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 uh, I put it out there. I was like four Pete and that was back in 2016. We're halfway there. Yeah, we're halfway there, man. I would love to see a four Pete. That was going to be tough. Boston Celtics are coming. Uh, you know, they're tough. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. You know, what happens with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward? They, Al Horford, they got a good team. They do. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you just start there. And potentially LeBron. Yeah, yeah. What would especially if they get LeBron James. Uh, what would the Houston Rockets do? You know, James Harden is still back down there. Uh, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, we'll see what happens with Kawhi Leonard. Can they reinvent themselves and be a factor? Uh, the Lakers and Clippers, they got a lot of money, uh, especially the Lakers. Magic Johnson, once he get back into championship hunt, he wants more rings. So it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be a little bit tough to, to four-peat. Uh, but three-peat, I would love to see that. I would love to see that with this team. And you talk about July 4th. I didn't even think about all that. I was, you know, Aliko, I was drunk by 930. Thinking like, how the hell we need, how did, but the Warriors got Kevin Durant. Are you kidding me? I mean, it was unbelievable. I'd never forget that morning. I was watching Wimbledon, waiting for the decision. You know, I didn't get any sleep that night. And when it happened, I just popped up, opened a bottle of wine and said, what is going on here? Kevin Durant's a warrior. Yeah, and, right. And you know what? Game three, I still, I don't know about you, Aliko, but I still have times where I'm watching the game. And Kevin Durant's running and he's scoring and he's blocking shots. I'm like, Kevin Durant's a warrior. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do too. I go. I used to go around a couple of years ago or like last year, and I would be like, "Hey guys, did you know we have Kevin Durant?" <laughs> yes, it it's insane. It's insane to me. An embarrassment yeah, of riches, but you know we deserve it. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, think about it. They had to overpay this franchise at one point. Had to overpay guys like Danny Fortson. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, Jason Caffey, Derek Fisher, mm-hmm. you know, Troy Murphy. Now they're luring in, luring in guys like Kevin Durant. And you got better into what a come here and play for the minimum. It's unbelievable what's happening with this franchise. So, and I think it's going to keep going. I think it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be like this for a long time, man, because Joe Lakin does not like to lose. Yeah. He will do whatever he can to be in the conversation for a championship. So uh, the franchise is in good hands. And, yes, they do have Kevin Durant. I don't anticipate him going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't either. And he said he's not going anywhere either. Love Joe Lacob for what he's done for this team. I remember thinking, oh my God, Larry Ellison's going to buy this team. We're going to have so much money. It's going to be fantastic. And then Joe Lacob comes in, swoops in and, 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 and gets the team because Chris Cohen is spiteful and Larry Ellison got in his last bid too late. And I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Joe Lacob, you know, if we could go back in time, I wouldn't change a thing. Obviously, Larry is quite the the, the prize. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you, you got, you got any final thoughts? We got to close this thing up before um, this game tonight and going forward. Any final thoughts from you? Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of want to send a message to Warrior fans. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there trying to pry Kevin Durant from Golden State. We see NBA players publicly cry. We see Jay McCollum, uh, Jared Dudley talking about Katie Shalev. It's not good for the league or not. You see Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady on a jump when Rachel Nichols talking about, you know, it's boring watching the Warriors win. Well, nobody ever said that about the Bulls. Nobody ever said that about Kobe and Chet. Nobody ever said that about the Heatles. I didn't hear that. You know, oh, and they're boring. Yeah, and I'm tired of them winning. Warrior fans just block out the noise. You know, appreciate this time. Enjoy this time. You deserve it. You know, you're watching, this is basketball nirvana. You know, this is the Beatles, baby. This is, this is uh, NWA at its finest. You know, (laughs) this is, this is, you know, this is historic stuff that you're watching. Appreciate it, especially these last two years in Oakland, California, where next year would be the last year at Oracle Arena. Appreciate the good times. Don't ever, don't ever, you know, catch yourself getting spoiled and complaining and, you you know, this team has given us everything they have. They're a perfect collection of talent and personalities. We talk about what they do on the court so much, what they do off the court when it comes to social issues. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And it starts with the head coach. It starts with the GM, Bob Myers. Uh, appreciate this time. You know, because, you know, growing up, I thought the 49ers would forever. I'm sure, like you, you thought the A's would win forever. It doesn't happen like that. You know, things change. Players get older. Injuries happen. Things flip. You might have to rebuild at some point. But for now, just live in the moment and appreciate this great team, man. This is a great time to be a Warrior fan, and Warrior fans deserve this. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. And, you know, Kevin Durant leading the way philanthropically, everything like that, investing in companies and helping people, you know, that legacy is just as important as his basketball legacy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't be happier to have the man, Kevin Durant, on my team as well as the basketball player. And, you know, Steph, Draymond doing incredible things. Klay Thompson with his new foundation, incredible things. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's just a class organization through and through. You know, yeah. I agree with you completely. Uh, we do have to cut it off here. Uh, any shout-outs, Bonte? Uh, you know what? Shout-out to Warrior fans. Enjoy this championship. Uh, Shout-out to Pops, Moms, uh, my girlfriend who's sitting here, like, come on, babe, we got to go. She's already dressed and ready to go to work, uh, so I'm going to get her there. So shout-out to her for being patient. Uh, and then shout-out to you for having me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bonte. I appreciate it, too.
We're gonna get ready for this game. We're gonna knock on a ton of wood. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and and we're gonna we're I'm gonna hopefully wood. party I'm this not weekend. I'm here, so I'm knocking on that. All right, all right. And hopefully we're gonna party this weekend. But uh, that's where we have to stop now. Tune in on Monday. Where uh, well, you know, if we win tonight, I'll probably get a special podcast out this weekend. So stay tuned for that and stay thoughtful, hoops heads. Hey, Bay Area sports fans, this is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.